So last week we, we, we talked about how Paul's first urge um, to the people of God was to be unified, was with humility and patience and gentleness as we walk together to be unified, unified in such a way that it reflects the unity of God, the Trinity, the Spirit, Holy Spirit, Jesus, uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, that we as a church, as we walk together, as we love one another, um, would be a clear picture of who Jesus is. Um, And so that was kind of the first step. And now this week, we're going to walk even further into um, what it means to be the church um, of Jesus. And as we talk, uh, as we talk today, uh, I want to go ahead and just highlight a tendency that we might have. Um, so I don't know what your experience is with church, um, but for me, growing up, I kind of felt like there was there was two places you could find yourself in church. There were two roles for you, um, and it, w- it was either that you would lead from the front or learn from the back. That was kind of your two options. As you plugged into church, you were either the person in the pew or the chair that heard from the person preaching and the worship leaders and all the the trained professionals, right? Or you were that person. You were me up here. I was teaching. And uh, does anyone relate to that? Is that anyone's experience? Like, okay, when I think of church, my role is to either like be a preacher, worship leader, Sunday school teacher, volunteer, whatever, um, or I'm just there to come and sit and listen. And as a result of that, it can be kind of confusing as to what your fit is into the church, Uh, You know, you may have passions and things on your heart, things that you love, things that you care about naturally. You didn't make it up. It just from since you were a kid, you cared about things. And it can be kind of awkward because if you love God and have passions, but don't know how to fit that into a Sunday, sometimes you can feel like a misfit. Like, okay, I guess I'll go seek out a vocation in the secular world, like quote unquote secular world since I can't seem to make my passions fit into like the Sunday church context. And um, today we're kind of hopefully going to expose the fallacy in that, that, that you have to make your calling, your, what God has created you to be, fit into a Sunday context to have a role in the church. All right, so today a lot of you bring um, a lot of different lenses to what church means. You've got an experience, you've got things that you've heard about church, things that maybe you even picked up from ethos that aren't good depictions of what church actually is. And as we read through Ephesians, I think we're gonna see um, kind of the original blueprint for church. So I invite you, whatever lenses you're bringing, take them off, and, and may we see church through this lens, through what Paul's going to, to talk about in Ephesians chapter four. So um, join me in verse seven. We're gonna read through verse 16, uh, and we'll go from there. It says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who has ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. That might feel confusing, we'll talk about it. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ 
from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I don't know if you're typically a note taker, but today I'm going to encourage you to be one, okay? Um, There's going to be some really simple concepts here, but I want you to write them down because I want you to remember them because I think they're super important and potentially very different um, than what you may have thought previously about your role in church. All right, so there's pens and paper provided for you at your table, so I'm going to give you a weird stare if I don't see you grab it. No, I'm just kidding. I won't. All right, here is the four kind of movements we're going to walk through today. Um, And some of them will feel kind of synonymous, and they kind of are. They're kind of interconnected, and that's okay. First is that Christ or or Jesus has given gifts to the church. G-I-F-T-S, not G-I-F-S, okay? Maybe both are true, but today we're going to talk about gifts with a T, all right? That was kind of funny. Um, Christ has given gifts to the church. Secondly, you... You, and I'm talking about you, the person with the pen writing this down, you have received gifts from Jesus. You have received gifts from Jesus. Thirdly, you are a gift given to the church. You are a gift given to the church. And then lastly, church is a team sport. And that, (laughs) I couldn't think of a better, I wanted to think of a more clever way to say that point, but that's what was coming to my mind, all right? So church is a team sport, all right? So Christ has given gifts to the church. You have received gifts from Jesus. You are a gift given to the church, and church is a team sport, all right? So first, let's talk about Christ has given gifts to the church. In verses seven through 10, if you were, if you were reading along, they, they felt kind of uh, maybe a little confusing. Paul's gonna reference this Old Testament passage, but he's basically gonna talk about how Jesus descended to the earth, all right? He came to earth, he lived a life, he died on the cross, he resurrected from the tomb, and then Jesus did this crazy thing where he ascended to heaven, all right? He ascended to heaven, but he did not leave us alone. It's going to talk about the fact that he gave us gifts. And there's a couple of gifts I want to talk about. And one we're going to talk about a lot. First is that he gave us the Holy Spirit. He promised, like, when I go, I'm going to send my spirit. Wait for it. My Holy Spirit is coming. He did not leave us alone. And then the second gift we're actually going to talk about all morning. So I won't get into that yet. But first, I just want us to realize something. Christ has given us gifts. And I started thinking, why do you give gifts to somebody? Because you, what, typically like them or even love them, right? So I was thinking about Christmas this past year. It was Christmas time. I was thinking I really wanted to just like show my mom just mad love. Been a good mom, all right? She's a good mom. I love her. And so I was like, what can I gift her with? And so, you know, I, I decided to get to order flowers, to get a specific arrangement with flowers that I knew she would love, and then take her out to dinner, kind of take her on like a mother-son date night, you know, just make her feel all types of way. Like I wanted to go to a nice restaurant. I was in Murray, Kentucky, the nicest restaurant Murray had to offer. I think it was called Shogun's, all right? Anyone know what Shogun's is? They, you know, they didn't cook in front of us. We just took a table. We didn't want to wait, all right? But it was a good date, right? And I didn't take my mom out to dinner. Because I, I didn't like take her out and go, Mom, you had a great 2016. You mothered me well. 
and this is your reward, right? Like, I'm just trying to show, I'm, this is like, you earned this position. Like, great job disciplining me, raising me up, training me. I thought you really showed out this year, right? Of course not. Like, that wasn't the heart behind it. The heart behind me taking my mom out and showing her that kind of love was simply because I love her. I want to encourage her. I want her to know, like, you mean a lot to me. I care about you, okay? And this passage right here is all about Christ giving gifts to the church. And you know, it's really popular right now amongst the church and not the church to kind of hate on church, right? Like you've probably heard it said, like we're, full, we're legalists, we're lazy, we're mean, we, we isolate people, we overlook people, and all of that to some extent can be true. We're broken people, but it's really popular to kind of just hate on the church. But I wanted to just like say this this morning, Christ has given gifts to the church because he loves the church. Like he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Ephesians 5, Paul's gonna say to love husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. And he's not just that, we've taken that and used it only for marriage, but Paul is saying, if you love your wife, the way Christ loves the church, your marriage is going to be A plus, really good. And that is highlighting Christ's love for the church. And because Christ loves the church, he's given it gifts. He has not left it alone. Okay, does that make sense? So Christ loves the church, he's given it gifts. Second point, you have received gifts. All right, this is where we're going to start breaking it down. So uh, look at it. Look at verse 11. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. So this is continuing. If Christ has given gifts, what gifts has he given? He has given apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. OK, so now we're about to open up a very large discussion in a very small amount of time. We are popping the top on this conversation. So if you leave going, I don't fully understand, neither do I, all right? But um, just know afterwards, if you have any questions, if you're like, whoa, this is a big conversation, I wanna talk more about this, I would love to talk about this more. Um, I understand how like surface level we're gonna stay today. Here's Matt Vandemeyerak, raise your hand, Matt, he's on our pastoral team. We've talked a ton about this right here. Talk to him, but uh, we can go further. But for now, we're just gonna open up this conversation, okay? So I want you to know that if you are here if you believe in Jesus or don't, okay, you have been given gifts by God, specifically. You are uniquely wired by God to love what you love, to care about what you care about. And you have specific gifting in the Lord from the Lord. And it's here to show off who he is, to love him, to glorify him, to honor him, and also to love the body of Christ and the world. And while we all have specific giftings, we're going to talk about five kind of big picture giftings that I believe you'll find yourself gravitating to one or two, all right? And so what we're going to talk about is what does it mean to be an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a shepherd or a teacher? Because Christ has gifted the church with each of these, and I believe you'll find yourself falling into one of these categories um, typically, that's how it works. And if not, don't worry. It's okay. Uh, I think as you grow closer to the Lord, you'll sense, oh, I think my heart is, is kind of pointing this direction. But I want to break down what Paul means when he says he has gifted the church with apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, okay? You're about to understand why I wanted you to take notes, because we're going to define each of these, all right? Um, so first, let's talk about what it means to be an apostle. 
Um, so right off the bat, you might have heard this word and associated it with the disciples of Jesus um, or Paul himself. People that saw Jesus in the flesh and were sent out by Jesus. And, and that's kind of a different kind of apostle. People that saw him, received instruction from him, were sent by him. But what we're going to talk about today is a heart given by God that is constantly feeling sent out, being sent out. That's an apostolic heart. Uh, Another way to say it is you are constantly having eyes for new terrain. You're a fire starter in the best of ways. Uh, An apostle is someone who has a vision for the future. It's really hard to get them overly concerned about today because they're thinking about two years from now in a really good way. And, and a good, um, a good uh, example of this in the Christian sense is, is Paul himself, the guy that wrote this letter. So he was a big time church planner and it was hard to get him to stay in one location. He always had eyes on the next thing. So what he would do, he'd plant a church, he'd go to a new city that had never heard about Jesus. Everybody's getting saved because the Holy Spirit's at work. He'd start a church, he'd find a pastor, he'd train them how to pastor, they'd start pastoring, everyone would cry, and Paul would leave because they were going to miss their best friend. But Paul was like, it's not in my heart to stay here until I die. It's in my heart to go do something new. I've got to keep going. New terrain, that's an apostolic heart. And a lot of us, uh, we have this heart, we've just never found our fit in the church, so it comes out in different ways. Um, Maybe you find yourself always wanting to start a new business like successful CEOs and entrepreneurs, like you're at Belmont and your major is the entrepreneur, I think that's a, isn't that a major, entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, is that how you say it? I get it, that was not my major because I couldn't pronounce it, could have been, but it wasn't. Um, but like you always have this heart like, oh man, I really wanna start this thing. And then you start it and then if you're, if you're not totally mature in this gifting, you're like, oh, I've been doing this for like six months, I'm ready for something new, right? Say, I already have seven more ideas for something new I want to start. That may be an indication that you have an apostolic heart or that you're just kind of lazy, but it also could mean you have an apostolic heart. You've got this passion to start things and to build and and to to share with people and you build a team and you get it started and you get it sustained. And then you're like, okay, I'm kind of bored. I want to start something different. Does that kind of make sense? That's kind of an example of an apostolic heart. Let's keep moving. You could be a prophet Paul's going to say that Jesus has gifted the church with prophets. A good way to see a prophet is a prophet is a truth seer and a truth teller. They see the truth and they speak the truth. It's not because they kind of like the truth. It's because their hearts burn for the truth. A good example of this in in the Bible is Old Testament literal prophets. A book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah, people that would see the picture of the people of God and would go, here's where we're missing it. Some of you feel good about where you're at with the Lord. We may think we're being obedient, but here's where we're missing it. Here's what we're overlooking. Here's where we're not seeing it. It's someone that comes to church and everyone is going, that was a great worship gathering. But in their heart, this one person who's gifted in the prophetic gifting is going, no, but here's here's who felt isolated. Here's who we're overlooking That's a good example in the Christian context. And in the non-Christian and Christian context, it's someone that goes, here is some injustice that everyone's missing. No one's talking about it. And it's not right. You you see people leading protest. Like, we will not stand for this injustice. Someone's been unjustly murdered. And it's like, this is not okay. (laughs) And I'm not just going to talk about it at the coffee table. Like, I'm going to take this further and I'm going to stand and let everyone know this is an injustice. This is not the way the world should work. I'm going to speak out. 
Um, Not just because I'm highly opinionated, because in my heart, it burns for truth and justice, and I will speak. That's a gift from the Lord, a heart that burns, that truth is revealed, that justice is brought. That's a prophetic gifting. In all these, I'm given very big picture. We can get very specific with all of them, okay? So just grace and mercy over my explanations. Third, the evangelist. Christ has gifted the church with the evangelist, and, and some of you might be able to, to guess it, but an evangelist is someone that has a heart for the lost, a heart for the lost. They want to see people come to know Jesus, quite simply. You want to see people come to know Jesus. Like, uh, it's someone that's like, if you don't know who I know, I've got to get you to know him. That's the first step for our friendship is you got to know who Jesus is. You've met some people like this, most likely. You talk to him within two minutes. They were already talking about Jesus. And you're like, how the heck did you get there that fast? And I didn't even see it coming. And you did it kind of good. Or maybe you did it terribly because you're not a good evangelist yet. You're growing in your maturity. But have you ever met someone like that? It's like, how did we already start talking about Jesus so naturally? My heart's coming alive and I don't even know why. That's probably an evangelist. But I was also thinking, what's an evangelist look like uh, in the non-Christian context? Someone who doesn't yet follow Jesus or who does follow Jesus but hasn't quite found their fit? It's someone who, when they find a new band, they need everybody and their cousin to know about it, right? It's like, have you heard this band? Here's why they're amazing. Why are they not on your favorite bands list right now? Go ahead and adjust it. Like, you got to know why this is so good, right? Does that make sense? Or you see a new movie and you're just like, oh my gosh, this movie was so good and I've got to tweet about it, but I'm not just going to tweet that it was good. I'm going to explain every reason because I need everyone that knows me to be convinced at the quality and the essence of this movie, right? It's so good. Some of you just discovered your evangelist gift this morning when I said, tell them about, tell them about your favorite movie and you talked for way too long because you're trying to sell them. You're like, I need you to know what I know. That's kind of the heart of an evangelist, Right? And you take that heart and combine it with the love for Jesus and they're just fire. Like they, they, got, they got to let you know who Jesus is. Next is a shepherd. I'm going to move quickly. Uh, here, next is the shepherd. A shepherd is someone who simply put loves people, cares for people, has a burden to that people feel loved. They don't have an agenda. They're not trying to get you somewhere. They're trying to say, where you're at right now, I love you, straight up. What's hurting you? What are you excited about? Tell me about it. I'm here to sit and listen. Like, I want you to know I love you. I care about you. In the Christian context, you'll see this a lot of times in pastors. You're like, how do they talk to 100 people? And every time they talk to me, I feel so loved and so warm. Like, somehow they do that to me. It's like, that's a shepherd, someone who knows how to care for people well if you've ever had someone that invites you over for dinner and you just had the, the time of your life because they asked you questions and they just wanted to get to know you more and love you, you can probably think of someone like that. That's a shepherd, someone who has a heart for people. I thought about the non-Christian context. We were talking you know, in our teaching meeting on Thursday and Matt mentioned counselors and, and therapists, like people who just naturally want to listen to people and care for people well. I also thought about literal shepherds. So uh, to give you kind of an example of a, sh- a literal shepherd's heart, Shepherds were people that tended the sheep, right? They cared for the flock. And they had the jobs of, of caring for the sheep when the sheep didn't know how to care for themselves. And so um, an example of this would literally be cleaning up the feces from the sheep's wool. Because if feces lingered too long, disease would infest the sheep and kill them later on. So literally, they would cut away. I know it's really gross, right? They would cut away feces from the sheep so the sheep could live longer. That's a gross picture, but a really good picture of the heart of the shepherd, 
the shepherd goes, I don't care what mess you're in, how bad it is, how bad you think you messed up, I don't mind the smell. Like, I'm here, and I love you, and I'm here for the long haul, and I'm going to walk with you, and I don't need you to be anywhere but where you are. Does that make sense? That's the heart of a shepherd. Let's keep moving. Lastly, as teacher, um, we have a, in America, we have a good understanding of this, like literal teachers, right? They're a good example of what the teaching gift is, but it's, a teacher is someone who loves the details, loves to dig into the intricacies of the Word of God. Larkin Briley, your campus pastor, is like to the T, a teacher, like capital T, loves the details. That dude is studying the Greek, the context. He has given you 10% of what he knows about the passage when he teaches because he doesn't want to overwhelm you. But I promise you, this dude has spent hours in the word, looking at the intricacies. What could this mean and this mean and this mean? And he could talk for three hours every single week because he loves the details and he wants to share the details with you. He's not in a hurry to go through Ephesians in two weeks. He wants to be in Ephesians for seven years, right? That's kind of the heart of a teacher, in the secular context, a good example of this is a teacher, <laughs> you know, someone who like when they, when they know more about a topic, they want to know the intricacies and the context and all the layers to it and then explain it elaborately. They want to give you the details so that you can have an in-depth, full understanding of an area. And I want to just say, as we're talking through all of these, for us that follow Jesus, all of these are for all of us. But as I was talking through them, you may have said, man, I feel the strongest in one of these. And that's important because you are gifted by God. I'm probably stronger in some of these areas than others. Um, so just know like you are gifted um, by Jesus. So you've received gifts from Jesus, but let's keep moving. You are a gift given to the church. As we look at um, verse, let me find it, verse 12, it says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. So, so Paul said, you've received gifts from Jesus. But he's speaking in the context of Christ has given gifts to the church. And what we find out is a wonderful surprise. The gifts given to the church are you. You're the gifts to the church. The gifts you've received from Jesus are to be from you for the church. It says to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. And I wonder this morning if you knew that coming into church, that simply put, as you stand here, if you have a heartbeat, you have a gift from Jesus and you are a gift to the church, to the body of Christ. And I think it's so cool because I don't know if you ever come here and felt distant from the Lord or unworthy or, or awkward, couldn't find your fit, don't know how you fit into the picture of the church you're not a preacher, you're not a worship leader, what does that even mean? It means you are a gift, a different gift to the church, and you are essential to the building up of the body of Christ. You are essential to the equipping, um, to the work of ministry. And so um, what I want to make really clear here is, is when we sit here on Sundays, and, and Jared and Jake, they lead worship, and, 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 and someone like me or Larkin will teach the word, that we're not here as ministers of students, like, it's not here like going, hey, you don't know a lot, so let me help you. I'm, I'm trained in this. That is not the heart here. We're not ministers to common people. Here, as we teach, we are ministers to ministers. Does that make sense? Do we hear that? I really hope that, I want that to sink in for you, okay? We are ministers of ministers. That you yourself are a minister of the gospel. You have a place in the body of Christ you are essential 
to the equipping of saints, to the building up of the body, and that the church of Jesus is not functioning to its fullest potential until you understand that you have gifts intended to build up the body of Christ and begin to live into them. That's really, really important. So hopefully today as we talk through um, APES, as we call it, Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherd, Teacher. Hopefully as we talk through that of APES, you've understood like, okay, I do have this heart that leans a certain way, at least somewhat. And maybe you're starting to see that, oh, maybe that's from God, but it's not just from God for you, it's for us. It's for the body of Christ. You belong here as a minister to each other and to the world around us. It is essential you understand that you are a minister, that you have a role here. Lastly, church is a team sport. Church is a team sport. So it's really easy, and we may have seen this happen around us, to abuse gifts, right? When we discover where we're gifted, where God has gifted us, we sense, okay, I sense this. It's easy to to become arrogant and to focus only on that one gift, Okay, this is what I bring to the table. So if I'm, a, if I'm an apostle, I'm not this. So I'm going to be this only. And, and when I'm around shepherds, they're going to get on my nerves because they don't think the way I think or evangelist, whatever. Like, it's easy to, to get arrogant. But the truth is, if you, have, if you start to discover the way God has wired you, the way he has called you, the gifting he has given you, what is immediately exposed, the minute you go, I think I'm gifted here, immediately exposed is your need for other gifts. You immediately know okay, if I have this, if I feel really strong in this area, I'm probably susceptible and weak in these areas, right? So I kind of had this like dialogue in my head, this like pretend conversation, you know, pretend you've got all five gifts in one room, five people, you got an apostle, someone who leans toward apostle and prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. And the shepherd's like, man, I, I, we just got to care for the people we have. I just want to care for them. And the evangelist is like, do you understand that there's people out there that need to know Jesus? These people already know him. We've got to go. And the teacher's like, no, we don't have to go anywhere. You don't just need to care for him. You need to take him deeper into the word. Like you two are both missing it. And the apostle's like, what are you talking about? Why are you in this room? We've got to go further. We got new terrain to take. Like this isn't it. Like why are we stuck in this room? And the prophet's like, you're all missing it. There's this huge truth you're all overlooking it. I just saw like this big fight erupting. Like, no, you're missing it. You're missing it. It's like, it's easy when we look at these giftings through the world's eyes to think this could cause division, right? It's like, because we're all wired differently. Maybe you've seen this play out and maybe your house church or in the church context. Like your heart burns differently than other hearts. But the truth is in the kingdom, this is the only way the body of Christ gets to function in its proper manner. That when the evangelist is so focused on bringing people to Jesus, there's a shepherd that goes, I want to like care for the people of Jesus and just show them the love of Jesus for the love of Jesus' sake. And the teacher's like, man, I want to help take us deeper into the word. And the apostle goes, I want to help attack new terrain and like spread out into the world so that more and more people can know. And the prophet's like, I want to know, I want to help the church learn where there's injustice that we're overlooking. Do we see how they can function together? Is this just, do we just can I get head nods to affirm? Do we see that? Uh, if you don't, it's okay. Let's talk afterward. Um, but this is how the church is designed. So just know the way you're gifted, as you sit here, the way your heart comes alive is essential to completing the picture of the church, okay? Now let's get to the why. Paul's gonna explain why. Why are we all gifted differently? Why has Christ gifted us each to the church? Uh, Let's look in verse 14, or in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, 
to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So the why in this is so that we would walk in unity, we would be together in this, not divided, that we'd grow in knowledge of Jesus. As we learn to walk together in the differences of our gifting, we get to know Jesus deeper, that we'd be built up in the truth and love. It says that we wouldn't be tossed and turned by every wind of doctrine that cultural ideologies and waves that disagree with the word wouldn't shake us because we're walking together in unity, rooted in the truth of Jesus. Um, So we are firm in what the gospel says and who Jesus is. That we'd be built up in love, that the engine that drives all of this is love received and love given. Received by Jesus, given to each other. And so um, as we we close up this conversation, I know, again, all we've done is, is open the lid here, right? I want to give us three things that are going to really help us as we brainstorm, as we think through and discern our gifting in the Lord. All right, three things. Um, The first is awareness. Um, So we've just opened up this conversation. It's going to be really important that you have awareness. So I invite you, as you pray, as you talk to the Lord, as you think through this, ask God, God, where am I gifted? Where does my heart come alive? Where am I uniquely wired by you? How do you want to use my gifting to build up and edify your body, the church, and to love the world? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a link to a survey right now. I invite you to write down. And um, it's going to remind you of like Myers-Briggs. Um, you got to be real careful when you're taking personality tests on spiritual gifts, okay? <laughs> um, this is not like a formula or concrete This is just to kind of help you brainstorm and help you kind of get a grip on, hey, maybe I lean certain ways, okay? So I did not say whatever your results are, that's who God created you to be and that's who you are permanently. It may just help you discover some things about yourself. Is that clear? Okay, now that I've said that, here's the website. Fivefoldsurvey.com. F-I-V-E-F-O-L-D. S-U-R-V-E-Y.com, fivefoldsurvey.com. It's gonna ask you a lot of questions. And at the end, it's gonna kind of show you, you might be strongest in this area. This might be where your heart most naturally burns. And I'll be honest, I've seen in seasons of my life it kind of change and fluctuate, but it's really helped inform how I minister. And if I'm being honest, it really helps me see where I overlook things. I kind of already do what I do with fire and passion, Right? So like if I have a, a prophetic gift or an apostle, it's like I'm already doing that, but it really helps me see who I need to be looking to surround myself with so I don't overlook everyone, right? So fivefoldsurvey.com. So that's gonna help you grow in awareness, but also just praying. And then secondly, doing this in community is huge. The whole heart behind this is doing this in community. So ask your friends, what do you see in me? Tell your friends, here's what I see in you. Pray about this together. Uh, try to grow in this together. Walk together. Um, we only can do this together, if that makes sense. This is, not a, this is not an individual effort. This is a team sport. So we do this together. And then lastly, um, start thinking, you know, how can I live this out? Like, live this out. Put this into practice. And I'm going to walk through each very quickly and give some examples of what this might look like. 
Um, but I'm not gonna give a complete picture, but start brainstorming. How can we live this out? So apostles, man, if you feel this fire to start things, to start small groups and house churches and ministries and nonprofits and all this, do it. Start it. Um, it may not be immature of you that you wanna start something for two years and then start something different. That may be God's gifting in you. Give it a try, test it out. If you're a prophet, if you sense that you burn for justice and burn for truth, then practice that. Talk to your friends. Where are you seeing some, some things that are missing, some gaps uh, that you guys can step into? And if you wanna raise awareness in your friends, hey, I think we're overlooking this people group. We need to speak into this. Like, speak into it. Practice this in your community. If you're an evangelist, this might sound really obvious, share Jesus more and help your non-evangelist people share Jesus. Show them, we need training, okay? Us non-evangelists, it is the weirdest thing to talk about Jesus with people. Help us, all right? Show us the way, do it in front of us. Take us out in the city. Show us how you share Jesus with people. Um, If you're a shepherd, man, invite people over to your house. If you love people, make it a priority in your schedule. Get people around you more. People are thirsting and starving to be shown love to be cared for just because you care for them. So practice that. If you're a teacher, man, disciple people. Take them through the word. Like get someone in your life and start walking through passages together. Walk through the book of Mark or some book in the Bible. Um, show them the depth, show them the intricacies. Start using that, that teaching gift. Um, yeah, so as we, as we dismiss into our tables and just like talk amongst each other, um, I know I just gave us a lot. I know I just gave us a lot. It's very heady and, and not super like, all right, let's go into the world. Like, it's like, okay, I gotta understand this a little bit. Um, I want you to talk at your tables, just simple question, uh, just one question today. Um, what is something that was stirred up in your heart today? Did one of these gifts particularly stand out to you? And just share that and kind of share why. What's evidence of that? So if you're like, man, I, I think I have a shepherd gift, explain why, where have you seen that in your life? And just share that, we'll just start there. Um, and and as, we, as we share with each other, um, everyone else just be good listeners um, don't critique. If you're with your friend, don't go, eh, I don't know about that. Let's talk about it. I think you're wrong. We won't do that. You know, spouses, like just affirm, okay? Don't, don't critique yet. All right, just listen. All right. Um, so let's do that. So for about 10 minutes, we're going to share um, where, do you, where do you sense you might be gifted from the Lord? Um, and then we'll take communion together. I'll give us instructions on that. Um, so let's talk at our tables. What do you sense? What are you hearing?